Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? 
outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns into breakthroughs, and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well. Welcome back to another episode with my guest and friend, Hope Pedraza. Hope, my friend, what is happening? How are you today? I'm good, Michael. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. It's an honor. I've been looking forward to this conversation since we connected recently. Um, I know that we're going to dive into a lot of different topics, especially around our wellness and this concept and idea about human design that many people may not be familiar with. And we're also going to talk about your story and your journey, which I'm really excited about because you have a hell of a story, my friend. Um, but before we do that, um, tell me, what is a moment of your childhood that I would need to know to understand who you are today? Hmm. That is, that's a great question. And I don't know, I, I feel like there's moments that, not necessarily my childhood, but just like little moments along the way. I don't know how to narrow it down to just one. And that's probably going to be my answer for all the things, like narrowing things down to just one. There's so many, you know, quote, defining moments that I felt have been like these just pivotal situations that happen. Um, I think a big one for me as a kid, and this wasn't like a specific moment, but it was a period of time. And it was me um, just kind of dealing with my own like body image issues. And I think like, I think it, maybe it was the moment I recognized that, that I was like, that I had been dealing with body image issues and like disordered being behavior. And it was maybe just the recognition of like, okay, this is how I've been living for this many years. And not to say like it changed right then or I didn't anything about it, but I think it was the realization that I was mentally and spiritually not connected with myself and dealing with these just, I mean, honestly, at the time I was just kind of hating myself. But yeah, I think it was the realization that, that I was living that way. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting how often we get into that place into our physical body where, 
you, you use that language, like hating yourself. Like that's such a heavy thought. How, how old were you when you were in that space? I mean, it started, oh my gosh, it started super. I was a dancer growing up. And so I think, you know, from the time I realized what my body was, I don't know, sometime in elementary school. And I was a short kid. I've always been short and like more of an athletic build than like the, you know, I you see the long, tall, skinny dancers. And that was what I wanted to be was a tall, skinny mm-hmm. dancer. Like I wasn't going to change my genetics. But at the time, I'm like, well, maybe I'll just not eat. Maybe that'll help. Um, I think when the realization was probably in middle school and my, I remember my, um, one of my friends was at my house and told my mom that I was like giving my lunch away basically. And that was kind of like, I was busted. And my mom mm. had conversations with me. And I mean, it, of course it didn't change then. Cause it went on for a year after that, that, through high school, through college, through, you know, after college. But I think it was that moment where my mom was you know, aware of the situation too. And now my friends were like, you know, tattling on me. I'm like, well, crap, what am I going to do about it now? Uh, but it was, I mean, it was years, you know, over a decade, decade of my life feeling that way. And, and honestly, at the time, I don't think I would have ever, I thought like hate, cause you're right. Hate is a strong word. And I don't think at the time I would have ever used that strong of language, but looking back now, I mean, that's exactly what it was. I wanted to look like anybody but myself. So yeah, I would say Mm. I was hating myself, hating my body, what I look like, all that. Yeah, I I resonate with that a lot, actually. I think one of the the things that I I experienced was just as a kid, like not having access to proper nutrition, not really Mm -hmm. understanding the food we're putting. Mm -hmm. And so until I turned like 16 and got this growth spurt and became six foot four, like effectively overnight, which is a really crazy That's thing. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I grew like over a foot in a summer. It was insane. It was just the worst growing pains you could ever imagine. Oh, I can imagine. Jeez. But but it stretched me out because I always was the chubby kid. And right. I remember like watching uh, like MTV was huge, you know, when I was coming up to age myself a little bit. And like you'd watch total request live and you'd watch all these really fit people. And I had the same thing where it's like, I, I hate this body that I'm yeah. in, even yeah. though I'm 11. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and, and you look at it and you go that that's so confounding because like this is a place of, or should be at least a place of joy, of excitement, of right. like discovery and finding right. who you are. But, but I think the pain that we, we go through in that time, like it sets us up for massive failure. Oh, right. Totally. And, and you talked about the impact that it had middle school, high school, and beyond, what has your journey been in in reconciling that experience of self, like to transform from using yeah. language like I hated myself, right? Yeah. yeah. I think the big piece for me, I know, I don't know, I feel like this is going to sound really like fluffy and I don't know, but I, I feel like meeting, um, so I, I got divorced when I was in my early 20s and that was kind of like an epic low for me because I was still battling with this like disordered eating behaviors and now it's getting divorced and my husband at the time had cheated. It was like a whole thing. And it wasn't until I met my, my husband now or covered me a couple years after that. And the something how we clicked I, somehow helped me to kind of peel back some layers to kind of reassess or kind of relearn like about me, I guess, like re like meet myself and kind of like figure out who I really was. And, you know, all of these things are uncovered realizing I, I didn't really know who I was at the time when I was married before. And I was just trying to live this, um, you know, I, I grew up in the South. So it's like, 
you know, you go to school, you get married, you have kids. I was just like, you know, I was following the order of things you're supposed to do things. And I thought I was doing everything right. But it was like to check these boxes off and then realizing I had like lost myself somewhere along the way years before that. So my point is, it wasn't until after I, you know, I'd gotten divorced and I met my husband, my, my current husband now, that somehow I think allowing him to see me for me allowed me to see me for me. And I think it was me understanding who I really was without like any labels, right? The wife, the whatever, like living this like perfect, you know, me like this total perfectionist growing up. And I wanted, I was perfectionist in my marriage and had to have the perfect life, keep up appearances. This is other Southern thing. You, you know, you learn the South, you got to keep up appearances and make sure we look, everything looks okay from the outside. And but who knows what's going on under, under the surface, right? And just keep it all in, push it down. And that, I mean, I lived that way for so long. And so I think that relationship, this relationship has been the biggest area of growth, allowed me for the biggest areas of growth. And just, again, kind of meeting myself for the first time and understanding like, what do you, like what, what I really believe, like what, just about life, about myself, about life, about like, you know, without people telling me how I should believe and what I should believe. And um, so yeah, I think it's being able to make my own opinions about things and coming into myself, that was the biggest piece of that. And it's just, you know, it's a slow process. Cause I, I still struggled in my twenties with some of those behaviors. And even with my first kid, like being pregnant for the first time was horrible. I mean, honestly, I hated it both times. Being pregnant is not fun. But the first time I was pregnant, I like really struggled with the body image thing. And it was like, dude, you're growing a freaking human. Like, chill out. That was the, the the recovery from that. That was also a big growth moment for me. And like kind of having this empowering experience of growing a human and having a human, I think also kind of helped. But it's just been kind of this journey along the way. Um, and I, I do think that meeting my husband and, and getting to know him, because we were such good friends for so long, he's allowed me to be me. I think that was the first time I've been around people who love me, who've allowed me to be me. I felt free enough to just be me. One of the things I was thinking as you were saying that is how often discovery, like whether we like it or not, comes in relation to other people, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. and I think part of what can be crippling is relationships, which like really sucks because you're like, oh, wait, I thought this person was supposed to be my person and my totally. thing. But also it opens you up if you're willing to to be vulnerable and to hopefully if you have someone who's willing to hold the space to get into the mud with you to get into the dirt like you can find out who you are and and you said something really interesting that you know this is the first time you really felt the the ability to feel that safety and i think that a lot of people they struggle with that because when we grow up we we expect our friends to hold that space right mm -hmm. and, and like you mentioned you had a friend who who told your family that you were giving away your food which mm -hmm as a kid feels like a freaking betrayal. You're like, how could you ever do that? <laughs> right. And then as an adult, you're like, and I don't have kids, but I'd be like, I'm really glad this person exactly. would tell me this. This is a good friend. Yeah. Mm. Right. And so as you were starting to kind of navigate, because I know that like it's, it's unbelievably common how many people struggle with eating disorders and it's not necessarily just bulimia or anorexia. It's also, uh, you know, overeating. And and right. I was super guilty of that. Um, that's a weird way to phrase it, but it is something I participated in in my own life. That's you don't get to 350 pounds by accident. I assure you of that. Yeah. And, you know, recently I had posted a, a couple of months ago on social this before and after photo of me. 
where it was like, here I am, 350 pounds, 25 years old. I'm at my absolute lowest. It's the darkest place I'm at. And here on the other side, I'm fit, I'm in shape, I'm healthy, I'm living into this life that I have now. And I talked about how that obese version of me didn't love myself, didn't care about myself, um, was a codependent mm -hmm. yes person who was mm -hmm. a freaking doormat. And, and I had somebody, I had multiple people actually comment and be like, you're body shaming. And I remember being like, you mm -hmm. can't, I, I can body shame myself if I want to. It's my mm -hmm. freaking body, right? <laughs> but, but what happened was the, I realized like most people are so disconnected from their physical being that they don't recognize that they're hurting themselves through the way that they are not taking care of themselves, totally. right? And, and a big part of this is like looking at uh, probably so much of this stored up trauma that's inside of us. Mm -hmm. When when you started this, and look, I, and I'll say this with context too, because I believe it's really important. I don't believe if you're hurting your body that you are healthy, right? whether that's in a good way or a bad way, because people are like, I'm going to go to the gym 75 times a week. I'm like, that's as bad as like laying on the ground and like starve, like, mm -hmm. you know, all of the things. Mm -hmm. So, so when, what was the shift for you? Like as you started this journey and obviously you have your your husband now, but like he didn't do the work for you. Right, right. Right. He right. didn't show up. He didn't have to go into the depths of who it is that you are. Yeah. How did that process begin for you? What did that look like? Because I know that there are people listening right now who would love to hear this story. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's yeah. It, you have people that are kind of the catalyst for change, right? But they're not doing the work. So, no, I agree with that. And, and I agree with you, too, because I was doing, just to reiterate what you're saying, I was doing that. I was the obsessive exerciser and I was doing all the things. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm healthy. I'm working out, you know, five hours a day. And it, but so it's, yeah, you can go one way or the other on that spectrum. Um, but for me, I think, so my husband and I met at CrossFit. That's where we met. We met at a CrossFit gym. And I think I, I went with a girlfriend of mine. And I think when I started doing CrossFit, and this isn't like to promote CrossFit because I don't even do CrossFit anymore, but this is just kind of how it happened for me. I was, when I was going, I, I, when I was doing these workouts and I've, I've worked out my whole life. I've worked out my whole life. I started going to, to the gym with my mom in the nineties. Like I've always worked out, but it was when I was doing these workouts that it started to feel like kind of empowered. I was like, oh, I feel kind of like, right. Like doing the throwing weights overhead. I'm doing all these. And so I think for me, the initial spark was like, okay, I can tell the difference between like being strong and not being strong, like thinking I'm healthy, but then actually being pretty weak. And so for me, initially, it was like, okay, I'm feeling pretty strong. And so that for me, that was kind of the start of it where I was like, okay, if I feel myself a little bit more, I feel stronger and I feel better when I'm doing these workouts. And this sounds like I'm giving you a blanket, like cliche answer, but this really was how it happened for me. And that was initially kind of the spark was like, okay, I'm feeling my body a little bit more. And so now I feel better doing these workouts. And I kind of started putting the two together. Not like I didn't know what nutrition was doing for my body, but I was like experiencing it and feeling this kind of strong, empowered sense of self. And so I, it started with that. And then I think um, when I, when I met my husband, even though, yes, he wasn't the one that did the work, but I think something about that relationship, um, he was like the total opposite of my ex. And so I think that piece for me was like, okay, I'm attracted to this person, 
And he wasn't meeting all these like check boxes I felt like I had to check off when I was married the first time. Because when you're growing up in the Bible Belt, you check all these boxes. And if they don't check these boxes, then, you know, you're not supposed to get married to him. And he's like the total opposite. And for me, that sparked something in me, too, where it's like, OK, I feel like there's something to this. Like I, I, I felt like I was following the right path or whatever and marrying this person before and it didn't work out. So clearly I wasn't following my own path. Like I had to have been following somebody else's mm. path. I was doing things that, the way other people were saying I was supposed to do it rather than the way I was supposed to be doing it. So I think that was the other kind of shift that I had in my own head where it's like, okay, I'm attracted to this person. I'm so connected to this person. And it's not what my, you know, how I grew up, the society of where I grew up would, would like approve. And so I think that was the other piece is, is realizing that I am responsible for my path and that I'm responsible for me and that I'm responsible for like what I, I create my own life. Like nobody else is responsible for it but me. And I think I had given away so much of my power to different people and organizations and groups and family member, whatever, growing up that I'd, I'd never felt that sense of like internal power, right? That source of power from within to realize like I, I, I'm responsible for my life and I can create my life the way I want it to look. That is like the secret, right? Mm. And, and I think that's the thing that people don't understand. How did you get to that moment though? Like, I want to go a little bit deeper into this because this is where like I think about so much of the journey of life being within those very nuanced moments, right? Mm -hmm. There, There's something that we're faced with in which now we have to make a decision that is different than all of the decisions that we've made leading up to this moment. And, and I, I, one of the things that I made a huge mistake on, especially young, was being incredibly stubborn, which mm -hmm. is both my superpower and my, my uh, probably my end anti-power. And so as I, I look at the cornerstone for me and having effectively a rock bottom, it was like, okay, there must be something different here. I am going to literally drag myself through glass to get to whatever the other side of what I think is this possibility. Mm -hmm. When you started getting to that place for yourself, I know that that's a place where like, I think that's actually the spot where struggle actually begins, to be mm -hmm. honest with you, because mm -hmm. you're shifting an identity. Yeah. How did how did that look for you? What was that process like? What was it for you as you really started to come to this place of recognizing, like, actually, maybe I can have this other life? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it started. I had a friend at the time when I was going through my divorce, and you know, I was I was devastated. Naturally, I was devastated. And she made this comment, and I, I can't remember verbatim exactly what she said, but it was to the extent of you know, I understand that there's, you know, grief that happens in this process, but she said, you, the fact that you're so um, like tied up in this, the, the grief of this situation is evidence that you have completely tied your identity, identity to this person. Like you need to figure out who you are outside of this role that you're mm. playing in this person. And at the time I thought it was so harsh. I was like, ouch, like that was, it just felt so harsh. But that has always stuck with me, that conversation that we had. So that conversation I had with her was the first time that I had, that I really thought about, okay, this is, this is the new chapter in life where I can figure out who I want to be. Like I'm starting with a blank slate and I can, I can decide who I want to be, what I want my life to look like. 
who I am as a person. And I think it was that that was kind of the the um the impetus of like that 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 journey of just figuring out who I am. And I think I don't know, I th- in some ways I think it gave me like she gave me permission, like I needed permission. But I think just that because it hit me so hard where I was kind of like, ugh, like that was kind of harsh. But understanding exactly what she was saying, where it's like, I, you know, because I saw my marriage ending as a failure. Like I just, that's my initial thing. I'm this perfectionist and I'm, I don't fail and I don't do things wrong. And I you know, have to be this perfect Christian girl or whatever. And so I saw it as a failure. And so I think hearing her say that was like, okay, no, this is actually an opportunity. And then what are you going to do with the opportunity? And so I took that as my chance to, yeah, kind of peel back the layers of who I thought I was or who I had been conditioned to be and figure out who I really was. And and I think, too, that was also when I it kind of going back to your original question, I'm kind of starting to like love myself again and shift that whole thing. I think I had realized that in this marriage and in this relationship and just in this I don't know, chapter of life, um, how much of myself got lost. I just lost so much of myself and it was just reconnecting back to that piece and redefining what it looked like for me to like, quote unquote, take care of myself. And, and not to say that this, this is a long process. I mean, this was like, I, I want it, I don't want to make it sound like this was like, oh, all of a sudden the next year I was like, totally fine. Like this was a long journey and, and, you know, the journey's never over. I mean, I'm still, I still, I'm still on the journey, but I think this was just the beginning of it. And I gave myself permission to like love myself again and to um, be me. I think it sounds, again, sounds a little cliche, but I don't think I ever knew what it meant to be me, like who I really was on the inside. And um, I, I was, I think I was always afraid to have my own opinions about things or be too opinionated or speak out about things or go against the grain. And so all of this, all of this was like, I'm giving myself permission now to just be me and sure they go against the grain. And, and it all started with like realizing what it meant to love myself and take care of myself. And that was accepting the person I was looking at in the mirror as this is me and the, the damage that not to like, condemn myself or hate myself for it, but just understanding like the damage I was doing to my mental and emotional and spiritual health by going for so long, just wrecking my body, my physical body, because it all started with, you know, it's, it's the physical, mental, emotional body. It's all of it, but just going for so long doing that. Yeah. How, how did you start to mend the relationship with yourself? Because, you know, I I think that one of the things that I struggled with the most was getting to that place of being able to be like, I love me. Mm-hmm. And and that's the place that I know people struggle the most mm-hmm. because you you said, it. I mean, you hit it or like I was a perfectionist. I can't let these things fail. I have to be great. You know, you, you're you probably have accomplished a ton of things in the world, seeking admiration and love from people and filling up all of the cups except your own. Right. Mm-hmm. And and as for myself, being a consummate achiever, being type A, being very much driven by doing, creating, building, you know, reaching all these goals, I remember having these moments of sitting in like what most people would consider massive accomplishments and feeling entirely empty mm-hmm. and being like, I, well, who cares? Right. Mm-hmm. 
And then realizing like a huge part of this is really like, can you give yourself accolades? Can you be the one to pat yourself on the back? And one of the things I teach my clients constantly is like, if you don't cheer for yourself, nobody's going mm -hmm. to. And, mm -hmm. and so what did the beginning of that process of like stepping into self-love look like? Because I, I love that you pointed to it's a, been a process. It wasn't overnight. It's still a process. But, but what were kind of the, the beginnings of that for you? I think first it was recognizing, I think first it was the physical piece for me and recognizing like how much damage I'd done to my physical body. And I think that was the, that was probably the initial piece. I, I'm a functional when you say, uh -huh. for For clarity, when you say yeah. damage, what do you mean? I mean, like physical damage. I mean, physical damage from the years of disordered eating behaviors and like compulsive exercise and not eating enough and all of that. Like I, my immune system was totally shot. My gut had IBS. My gut was shot. My adrenals were like in the toilet. Like the physical pieces of me would probably the first realization. Because again, I thought, in my head, I'm like, I'm healthy. I'm working out all the time. And, you know, I eat healthy food. Um, but I was totally running myself into the ground. And I, and I knew that. I mean, I knew that. It wasn't, I mean, I think we all know when we're doing that to ourselves. But I think for me to see the physical evidence, I had run some labs on myself because I'm, I'm a functional nutritionist. And so I'd run some labs on myself as part of my training. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, this is, this is really bad. So I think the first thing it was, that was kind of a wake up call. And this was, you know, some years after I'd kind of started this initial journey of like, let me, you know, learn who I am again and all that. Seeing it on paper, the physical parts, like, okay, like I've, I've done some physical damage that I've got to heal. And then starting that healing process, the physical healing process, right? The physical body starting that was like, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll change this in my diet. And I'll take this supplement. I'm doing the physical pieces, but realizing kind of like you were saying where, you you have all these accomplishments, but you're still feeling empty. I felt the same thing when I was doing the physical healing, where I'm like, okay, I'm doing all these physical things, and I've you know cut back on the the high intensity workouts or whatever. I'm not running marathons anymore. I'm doing all these things, but I still didn't feel like healed, and I still didn't feel. I still felt like there was pieces missing. So for me, it was diving into like inner child work and diving into that realm and uncovering the like mental emotional pieces that were under those layers. So it was, it was kind of like this like three-step process for me because the physical part for me was easy because it's like, oh, I'm used to taking care of my physical body. I'll just change how I'm doing it. But it, it wasn't, it wasn't fixing the things. So I think understanding that, you know, the physical parts everything, and I am a firm believer of this, everything that's happening on the physical level, the physical body has its roots in the energetic emotional body. And, you know, conventional ways of healing, you know, they're not teaching that. And so it wasn't anything that I ever looked at. And so I think that was the other big piece is I come across this girl and I, she was like a spiritual business coach. And so I started doing some work with her and there was like a big section in her um, little pram about childhood. And I had never done any of that before. And that for me too is like opened a whole other can of worms. Like, crap, there's so much going on down there that needs to come out. And this, like, okay, this, and then I started, I feel like I started to kind of chip away at the iceberg there. Like, okay, this is, I feel like I'm getting somewhere because there's these things bubbling underneath the surface, underneath the physical parts that have, haven't touched. Like, I don't know how to, how to get there. And so I think it was, that was kind of the next step. Yeah, the the inner child work is such a big part of this. You know, my my second book is called Eight Steps to Healing Your Inner Child. 
there, uh, you know, it's actually arbitrary. It could have been 37 steps, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. But, but what I, what I realized, uh, early on in this journey is that there is a linear impact to all of our experiences, whether we want to admit it or not. And there's kind of a twofold thought process that I have about this one is you do have to honor a lot of those needs of who it is that you are in that childlike free state. Cause that's play, that's excitement, that's joy. A lot of it's love unbridled. Right. But then the juxtaposition of it is like, you're not a child anymore. Yeah. Right. And, and so now you're in this really weird place where you have to be able to navigate, how do I play and enjoy life? But how do I also be disciplined and, and accountable and responsible? Was there anything specific that as you started doing that inner child work became the pendulum swing for you? Was there a moment? Was there an experience? Was there a memory? Was there an event? Like what, what started in that work to shift you to where you are now? Yeah. I think it's, it's twofold. I think part of it is understanding how much my upbringing and, and, and let me, I just want to preface this. Like, this is not me bashing any, anybody or anything or any organizations or anything. Cause I still have, I'm still firm in my belief, but this is just my experience. I think part of it was, or a big piece of it was understanding how much conditioning I had based on my upbringing in a very cons Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply conservative part of the country in the Bible Belt and how much that affected my view of myself and my accomplishments and all of that. I, I think it was a lot of, I, I had so much like shame and guilt under the surface about a lot of things. Like I realized when I was doing this, this was 
you know, years after I'd gotten divorced and realized there was still so much guilt and shame around my divorce that I had never like truly fully healed. Like it was still under there. And it just went back to my conservative upbringing because in, in, in my view, and especially when I got divorced and I was still I was super young, it was my early 20s, like divorce, like the worst thing. It was like, like, oh, you're the ultimate sinner. Like your marriage is a failure and I'm supposed to get divorced. And that was still living in me, that guilt and shame around that. So I think the guilt and the shame piece was huge. And I think kind of what I mentioned before in, in, you know, witnessing the women in my life growing up, my mom and my mom will be the first one to tell you, like she'll admit this too, the women just in a community, it's, it's keeping up the facade, right? It's keeping up appearances. It, let's make everything look good and um, look like you got it all together and all of that. And, and I still felt that too. And again, it was, it was, all these things that had happened because at, at the time, so when I, um, when I was going through this inner child work, all of this, I feel like all of this was foreign to me. Like I didn't know all of this stuff was living in me that I had this guilt and shame about things and, and my, and understanding like my perfectionist tendencies, it all goes back to that, like seeing how this was modeled and you got to look perfect and, and be the perfect wife and all this. So, so yeah, I think it was deconditioning a lot of the, things that I learned growing up and just how I was raised and this kind of conservative mindset of, of how things should look and how you should live your life and all the living by the shoulds and what makes you a good person, what makes you a bad person, untangling all of that. What, was there a, a part of that in which you had to forgive yourself? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. I think the forgiveness piece, A, for going so long, I mean, I mean, honestly, it had to have been close to 20 years that I was like, well, maybe not 20 years, close, maybe 15 years that I had been just beating up myself with the, my disordered eating behavior. So forgiving myself for that because everything I would think about, like all these things were coming up, all these opportunities that I saw as like wasted, like these trips where I was so worried about what we were eating and how I could not eat this and how I could get away with not eating this. Like I, I wasted so much of my life growing up and in high school and college, like so worried about what I was eating, what I was not eating and just feeling like I, I put so much energy into that, that I wasted so much energy in that, that I missed opportunities to really be present and really like enjoy these moments of my life that should have been just more enjoyable as, as a kid and as a teenager and as, in college. And so I think there was like some grief around that part too of, of like, I felt the, the, of, of these feelings coming up, like I feel like I missed out on things, but then reframing that and looking at, you know, the um, the opportunities that came up from those experiences. And now like, you know, working, the work that I do as a functional nutritionist, I've worked with people who have, you know, are or have been recovering from disordered eating behavior. So like, I, I'm able to use that as a gift now, but it was definitely a healing process of like forgiving myself for that and not and, and letting go of feeling like a quote wasted, you know, time or energy, whatever. And knowing that like time is, in, in, it's never wasted. It's just how you see the opportunities on the other side of that. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to do with those moments? Totally. I, I was actually having a conversation with a, a great, great friend today. And we were talking about time and realizing, you know, it is very easy to get caught up in the past. Mm -hmm. When the reality is it's over. Yeah. Like it's gone. There's mm -hmm. literally nothing you can do about it. It is also looking at the future and recognizing that you don't actually have control. Totally. Right. 
what you have is right now, what you have is this moment. And if you are willing to sit aside both judgments and shame and guilt, but also expectations, mm -hmm. you get to this place in which you are in the now. And, and that's ultimately where life lives because we get so caught up in wanting to beat ourselves up because it's like, yeah, I did that thing for 15 years. Or I, you know, for me, it was always about smoking. I was like, I smoked for mm -hmm. like 12 years. Like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And, and you look at it, you go, it's over. Right. Why are you still beating yourself up? Right. Why are you still destroying yourself over something? And it's like, a, at some point you have to, it's, I don't think it's forgiveness alone, right? Because people will forgive themselves and be like, oh, I'm, I, 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 I'm going to allow myself to, to recognize I've paid the pittance for whatever this mm -hmm. thing is that I've mm -hmm. done. But then they forget about the whole thing about just like, let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Like, like how long are you going to carry this weight mm -hmm. with you? Like, mm -hmm. how long are you going to carry the turmoil, the pain? How long are you going to carry the suffering? Most of it at your own hands, right? Yeah. I mean, because at some point you're going to have to come to the recognition that like a big part of all the decisions that have led you down this path are on you. And some of them were great decisions and some weren't so great, mm -hmm. but it's in the lessons and in the learning that when you acknowledge those, you're able to step forward. And, and one of the things that I think is really interesting is in this concept about food, and this is one of the big reasons I want to bring you on is we, we look at our lives through our plates, like mm. multiple times a day. And there are decisions to be made about what it is that you should do in terms of the food you put in your body, what you consume, how you consume it, when you consume it. And there, I would argue that probably people feel more guilt and shame about food than even probably money, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Or relationships or mm -hmm. anything. How do you start to reconcile that relationship like from a food perspective, like just literally when you're sitting down and it's in front of you? You mean the shame around what we're beating like in the moment? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's I, I, that's a tough one because I had this conversation with a client not too long ago. Because we tie, we we all have emotions, and and all, we all eat emotionally, like we all do. We all eat emotionally, and she was kind of grappling with that. And she, you know, we're going through the protocol, and she's like, "Oh, you know, I'm going to visit my parents and my family, and we that's the way we connect is through food. Like that's how we connect." And that's true for a lot of people that we, we have emotional ties to food. We have emotional ties to things um, that we eat, that we've shared with family and stuff. And I think for me, there's, there's kind of a, um, a, uh, a surrender piece of that too, because I don't necessarily, and this goes against a lot, you know, what a lot of people are teaching, but I don't necessarily think it's always a bad thing to have an emotional attachment to food. No, yeah, there's, there's a line, but I think it's, I think it's how we respond to that. Like, so for my client, for example, um, we kind of took it, she's eating in a specific way. She's eating this, you know, according to your protocol. And so I think for me, it was having the conversation with, okay, well, how else, like, is that the only way you can connect to your families through food? Is that the only way? Like maybe Here's another thing. Maybe we should evaluate the relationships with other people around us. That's the only way we're connecting with people and family, whatever is through food. Then maybe we should reevaluate those relationships. Are those relationships worthwhile if that's the only way that we connect, can connect with people? 
And so I, I think that goes back to your original question that wasn't really answering your question about the food in the moment, what's happening with the food. I think the, the, um, the, the textbook answer is like, oh, let's think about how food is nourishing us and figuring out how it's fueling us. But we're not always thinking about that in the moment. I think the presence piece plays a big piece for me. And I think um, I talk with my clients a lot about mindful eating, which again is kind of a like fluffy way to say it. But I do think that a lot of times we're eating and when there's like the guilt and the shame around it, like evaluating what you're feeling in the moment. And I have my clients do this. Like I have my clients when they're like starting out with me and they do a little food journal. It's not so much so I can see what they eat. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that's important, but it's, it's for this reason. It's like, how did you feel before you eat? How did you feel after? What emotions are coming up? But it's to allow them to connect like their feelings and emotions, their physical body with the food that they're eating because it affects all of that. And I think that's the other piece that people don't understand. And, and maybe this, kind of answers your question is, is understanding how our emotions and our mental state when we're eating affects the food that we're eating and how the food is metabolized in the body and putting all of that together, the mental, emotional, physical part around eating food and how that's all connected and how like my clients, for example, like when they first start out with their food journals, the first day it's like, you know, it's very basic, like I felt full or I felt whatever. And then by the end of it, like by day four or five, it's like this paragraph long of like, oh my gosh, I realized that I was, I was super mad at my kids when I ate this meal. And then after the meal, I felt this and my head was hurting later. And that they're tying all these pieces together because they felt this specific way when they were eating. And that's how the food affected their, their body. Um, so it's, for me, it's, it's tying in the mental, emotional, mental piece with the food. Yeah, that makes sense. And and being cognizant of it, right? Not yeah. hiding from it, not right. running from it. Right. You know, what one of one of the things I used to do, I would eat to the point where like I would be on the ground in physical pain, like mm. literally feeling like I'm going to explode. Right. And and I'm a child doing that. Like I'm literally like 13, 14 years old. And it was part of it was survival. Because if I could get my hands on food, I would just eat because a lot of it was um, you know, being a homeless kid and never knowing where your next meal comes from, right. it, that becomes an autonomic response. Your body is like consume, consume, consume. And then what I had to realize, and I think this was probably one of the greatest understandings that I had just about my own experience was to evaluate myself. And this again comes to that, that terminology I use about now, no longer being a child was that I was able to evaluate and look at my environment, the one that I had created and put myself in and recognizing I'm safe. Like mm -hmm. there's food in the pantry, there's food in the refrigerator. I can afford to buy groceries. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have significant debt. Like I'm fine, right? Yep. And I think that's the thing that started to transform for me. And, and you're right. Like, are we going to emotionally eat? Yeah, of course we are. It's a birthday party or it's a Christmas right. or it's exactly. Thanksgiving or, you know, you had a real day and you're like, I want, I want gummy bears, right? Or whatever <laughs> it is. And it's like, I think the, the thing about it is the reset, right? right. Totally. And, and instead of it becoming tomorrow and the next day in a week and a year right. and a, uh, five years later, right. it's like, okay, cool. I had the experience. I was able to manage the emotion. Right. Did I have a moment? Yep. Cause I'm human and I'm yeah. letting go of it and then right. get back on the bus. That's it. And I, I think that's the problem too. I think that there's this, because the, the emotional piece is huge. And I think there's a piece where we either like shame ourselves for feeling whatever the thing is we need to feel, or we just stuff it down, stifle it. 
And then it just like erupts like a volcano, you know, five days later because we haven't felt it. And so I think you're leaning into the emotion, feeling the feeling. And okay, so you had a breakup and you want to spend the night, you know, on your couch eating Ben and Jerry's. Like, okay, so do that. And then let's reassess tomorrow and see if we can pick ourselves up and, you know, live a little bit more actively the next day, right? Like, I think it's giving yourself permission to feel the thing and be in the moment and feel the emotion. And, and like you're saying, just kind of reset. But I, I think we're, people get so tied up and, and, and my clients do that. A lot of clients that I talk with do this where it's, it, it's like a black or white thing. And so if they mess up this one day, then like screw the rest of the week. The whole rest of the week is just, they're just going to bomb it. It's like, well, crap, I'm terrible. Like it's this shame and guilt thing kind of comes in. It's like, don't feel like it, it, it's about feeling the emotion that you need to feel in the moment, whatever, if, if it's frustration, you're angry at somebody, you had a bad conversation, but let's let go of the guilt and the shame. This is what I needed in the moment. This is what my body told me I needed in the moment. I needed to go get like your, the gummy bears is a great example. Um, but then let's let go of the guilt and the shame because my, I needed to feel this in the moment. And then I was able to move on because I, I felt that without sh- guilt shaming myself about it. And then I can move on. Yeah. And, and I think the hardest part of that is not beating yourself up when you do it. Right. right? Because so many people will do it and like, I'm a loser. I suck. I don't have control. I'm, you know, I'm never going to be successful. And then now you're in this loop where it's like, okay, dude, hold on a second. Right. And it's like, can you give yourself permission just to be a human? Right. Can you give yourself permission to be like, yeah, this is what I need right now. Cause sometimes you need it, but, but also sometimes you don't. Right. And that's the thing where it comes into like, can you be responsible for yourself? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one of the things that I see people get beat up all the time on social about is this conversation, like pick yourself back up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, feel the feelings, but like, don't be a slave to your emotions. Right. Right. Because right. you're, you're not your emotions, whether even though you would love to be because it feels good to mm-hmm. suffer. Right. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you're used to pain, if you're used to hurt, if you're used to people sh- all on you all the time. You're like, oh my God, this feels just like everything I know. And then you're like, but wait, what is the point of that? How does that help you? How does that benefit you? How does that move you forward and towards your goals and towards the alignment of the person that you want to be? And it's like, have the moment, have the day. And and even really, can you, can you shorten it? Can right. it be instead of seven days, it's seven minutes, right? right? And, and learning how to love yourself in those moments, because yes, it's hard. And I'm not saying it's not, and I'm not even saying I don't have my own Still, where it's like, I have these moments where I'm like, okay, dude, just get up. Just like, there's um one of my favorite scenes in any movie is in Kill Bill. And it's the first film. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but basically Beatrice, who's the Beatrix, the bride, who is the the protagonist of the film. She's it, it just escaped this hospital where she's been in a coma. She hasn't been able to move her body. She's laying in the back of this truck and she has to figure out a way to get out like it's mm-hmm. literally life life or death mm-hmm. and she's laying in the truck and she's looking at her paralyzed leg and she starts talking to herself and she's telling her big toe she's like wiggle your big toe and sometimes that's all it is it's like take yeah. the first yep. just do the one thing you know yep. you need to do today because that will start the avalanche it's because exactly it really it. is truly a snowfall like yeah it is like once that first thing starts to go forward Right. The rest starts to play a role. Right. And and here's what I, I want to just reiterate again. It's like, this isn't overnight. You've been doing this for a long time. I, I'm curious, is there an intersection? Do you find commonality 
in the people who are able to navigate this effectively or even to have the most success is a hard word, but to have the <laughs> most success in this journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes back to it goes it kind of goes with what you were just saying. And because you were saying we want to shorten a time, right? Like you feel a thing and then we want to shorten a time, and then you know, we get back to life. And that's the whole premise behind nervous system regulation. And I, I know with my clients that I work with, we do a lot around nervous system regulation. And it's, that's the piece for me in regulating your nervous system. And there's a lot of trendy ways you can do that. Like, you know, there's a lot of ways that we talk about that you can do that. But it, it's, I'm kind of annoyed that it's so trendy right now because I feel like it kind of, it, it kind of diminishes the importance of it. I don't know. But I, the nervous system piece is huge because that's the whole point of nervous system regulation. Like we're building a resiliency in the nervous system so we can regulate ourselves more. So it's not about getting dysregulated. It's about how quick can we, can we make the dysregulation, right? How exactly. quick can we get back to, you know, homeostasis? And so it's building resiliency. And so to your point, I'm in conversation with a client the other day and her nervous system is a complete wreck. Like we literally spent her entire, she's crying about her entire, throughout her entire call. She's taking care of her dad, who has dementia and all these things. And so, so that was, you were saying, like, find the one thing. And that was kind of the, the, the gist of our conversation together. It's like, let's find the one thing we can do. If she has, she does not have the mental capacity for movement, doesn't have the mental capacity to go for a walk. Okay, what's the one thing? Breath work in the morning. Perfect. Five minutes. Let's start there. And then, like you said, it's this avalanche, right? Because now, okay, we're going to build some, some strength and resiliency in the nervous system. We're sitting still for a little while. We're practicing the breath. Our nervous system's like, okay, I can get on board with this. And then your body starts to crave more. And it's like you're saying it's kind of the snowball effect. So for me, it's the people who have the most, using, you know, quote unquote success with this. It's the people who take a, take the time to work on their nervous system, the nervous system regulation piece and building that resiliency in the nervous system. And I think the other piece of that, the, the, the part two of that is the awareness in the present. And that's something that's been kind of my like goal the past few years is like building in more, especially having kids, like building more presence into my life, into my day. Cause I am so guilty of doing the things, running a thousand miles a minute all day long, never stopping. You don't have you know time to think and you're just going and going. And then you're, you're just this ball of, bleh, you know, at the end of the day. And it's like, well, I haven't even had time like to be with my own thoughts, much less like take time to be you, my kids or my husband or whatever. And so the presence piece, I think is big too. And being present with yourself, being present with, you know, your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, all of that. I think those, the people that I find have the most success, they're, they take, they're taking the time for that presence and whatever that looks like, if it's meditation or journaling, what, you know, whatever the practice is that helps you build presence, whatever the practice doesn't matter. It's just the act of being present. And then it's, it's building resiliency in the nervous system and, and really honing in on that piece because that's the other thing too is, and, and I learned this with my own self, again, realizing that like doing all these things for my physical body wasn't really healing all the things, right? I feel like pieces were missing. It is physiologically impossible for your physical body to totally heal if your nervous system is a wreck. Like if you're in fight or flight, your body literally, physiologically, it cannot heal itself. Like it's impossible. And so if we're trying to like do all these things to heal the physical body, but we're not regulating our nervous system, of course, you're not going to be successful. Like you're going to keep running that loop and you're going to keep constantly going through that cycle of doing the thing and getting mad at yourself. And it's just going to just perpetuate. Yeah. And and it will continue. And so I I love what you said. It's like very much about that awareness and about that presence. And 
I think arguably presence is probably the hardest thing that we Mm -hmm. tap into, especially Mm -hmm. right now, societally. Um, There's so many distractions, so much happening. We're busier than we've ever been in probably the history of the world. And and I think busy busy is not active. Busy is not productive. Busy is not powerful. Busy is Right. And so I, I think about actually a great T-shirt, actually. Um, <laughs> and so I, I I think about this often and it's like there's there's so many things that people try to do to understand themselves deeper. And I think that the deeper you can understand yourself, whether it be through coaching or mentorship, therapy, um, any of the bazillion personality quizzes that one can do. But the, the deeper that you can go into understanding yourself, the more clarity that you have, the easier it is to navigate your, your wellness. And I know one of the big things that you talk about is human design. And I've had experience with this more frequently over the years. But I, I'd love for you to talk about a little bit more in depth about what it is and, and how it can actually help our wellness and our well-being. Yeah. So this was kind of one of those moments for me when I first dove into my human design, one of those like pivotal moments you were asking about of like when things shifted. And so human design, just kind of in basic terms, is this combination of some ancient teachings about the chakra system and the Kabbalah tree of life and astrology. And it puts it together with some more modern day sciences like quantum physics and quantum mechanics. And it puts it together into this graph. And it's it's your energetic blueprint. It's the energetic blueprint of your soul and who you were designed to be and live out on this planet. So for me, when I first opened this, it was that spiritual coach that I worked with that I mentioned earlier. She had this little piece of it in her program. And it was just enough for me to be like, holy cow, I need to know more. Like I need to dive deeper into this. Because it was, I mean, it was like I was, I was learning about myself for the first time, but then I was also like meeting a, a friend that that I knew existed. Like I knew these parts of me existed. And it was like, this opened this whole new world of, 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 you know, I'd already started this journey where it's like, you know, learning who I am and who I want to be. But this was like, okay, now this is like, I feel like this is giving me permission. Like it's validating everything I already knew about myself. And it's giving me permission to like, no, this is, why am I apologizing for this part of me? This is how it's designed. So I like to integrate this into what I do with my clients working, you know, with people on a physical level, working with them on this kind of energetic spiritual level as well, because when you don't understand yourself at an energetic level, how do you really know how to take care of yourself? Like, how do you really know how to to nurture and build that wellness within yourself if you don't really understand how your body is designed, like how your body is wired? And so that's how I use it with my clients because I, the way I see it, when you when you look at wellness through the lens of human design, like we spend a lot of energy, a lot of excess energy living by the shoulds, right? And I living by according to conditioning, whether that's through your family, society, whatever. And it's when we're living by these shoulds. And I, I this there's so much evidence of this in my life that I was able to untangle. But this is when you start to meet resistance. And when you're feeling that like stuck, frustrated in your life, those feelings, it's like, okay, where, why am I feeling this resistance? It's because you're going against your design, how we were designed to live, designed to be. And that's when the physical things start to show up on the body. So I am a firm believer that, again, like I mentioned it before, but the physical pieces that are coming to the surface all have its roots in these energetic pieces happening, what's happening on an energetic level and where we're going against how we're energetically designed. And so with human design, you know, I'm able to walk my clients through how they're designed so they can understand, you know, how they best make decisions, how they best metabolize their emotions, how they best work, like in their job and at home, how they're best um, 
address conversations within the relationships, how they best move and eat in the preferred environment, like all these pieces that build into their wellness and really be able to curate the the protocol for them. Like, again, it's like, literally, this is your blueprint. I'm doing according to your energetic blueprint. And it's, there's so much more success and so much more um, compliance when it, when it's like, okay, this feels good. Like, this feels like me. This feels like how I'm supposed to be doing things. And it just feels better. And, and they're, this is how we make it sustainable. Yeah. And I've, one of the things I struggle with in human design is that I don't actually know what time I was born. And mm-hmm. so we only ever get so close. Um, and I know obviously with the the folks you work with, you can help them and go a little bit deeper into this. Yeah. But e- even with the information that I've been able to gather, it's it's really fascinating kind of the truth in it. And and uh, is it a little woo-woo? Yeah, maybe. Like I get that, right? And and I'm I'm someone who has been willing to experiment over the years. I mean, yeah. you name a modality from Reiki to dry needling and everything. And I, like, I've, I've tried just everything because I'm like, mm-hmm. let's let's figure it out. Let's see what we can find right. out about myself. Right. And, and I think if people are willing to have an open mind, it helps tremendously in this okay. journey. Um, this has been an awesome conversation, Hope. Before I ask you my last question, tell everyone where they can find you, learn more and, and connect with you. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm at the Hope Pedraza. And then you can check out my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. And then I also have a podcast, Hopeful and Wholesome. Brilliant. And of course, guys, if you go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com, we will put all of those links and more in the show notes. Hope, my friend, my last question for you. What does it mean to you to be unbroken? For me, it means breaking through it means it means for me it's it's like you've heard of the ego death before right for me that's what it is the ego death it's dying to your old self and accepting who you are at a soul level and living according to the this your soul's path without um, resistance without questioning, without doubting your intuition and really leading with your intuition and living your life according to where your soul is leading you without the ego, ego's voice in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that I hear, trust yourself. Totally. My friend, thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, and tell a friend And remember, when you do, you move us one step forward to ending generational trauma, to helping people transform their trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and to be the hero of their own story. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review, and you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends, and until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. 
I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.